Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. I hear the whispers in my thoughts. They echo in my mind. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. And this is Conversations with Cynthia. So I'm very glad that you are listening today. And I know this is going to be helpful for you. I'm, I'm always excited to give really helpful, encouraging, and inspiring information. And so some of what we're talking about this week is some of my most favorite information. Last week, we talked all about being your own best version and what that meant. And being your own best version is really being who God called you to be. Truly, 100%. Not somebody you want to be or think you should be or what the world wants you to be or what your parents want you to be, what your kids want you to be, your boss wants you to be. It's really about being the best version of you. And that's the idea God had when he created you. And that's the Psalms 139 impetus. That's, I knew you before you were formed. God had this idea of you. He, he thought about John. What do I, how do I want to make John? How do I want to make Jeremy? How do I want to make Cynthia? How do I want to make Lisa? And he has this idea of you in his mind. And he says, I knew you before I formed you. I had you in my mind. I had you in my heart. And so then he established you. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And then he said, how beautifully and wonderfully made you are. And, and the most amazing, reassuring thing for me about God is that no matter where my life has gone, no matter how many mistakes I have made, and I have made many as I have learned through life, that he's never stopped saying how beautifully and wonderfully made you are, Cynthia. I mean, that's amazing. That's, ama that, that's, that's beyond my comprehension. That he still sees me as a beautiful, wonderful creation that he enjoys and is proud of. Now, that, that does not mean he enjoys everything I do. <laughs> Or he's proud of everything I do. But he is proud of me. And when the enemy accosts me, assaults me, taunts me, and trash talks about me to God, he doesn't change God's mind. This is a rock-solid foundational truth that you need to stand on every single moment of every single day. You do not let the world, the enemy, friends, family, co-workers, media, I don't care who it is, you do not let them steal from you the fact that every moment of every day, God is glad he created you. He sees the entire process. He sees the finished product. He says, I'm doing a good work in you and I will not complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's not going to be done. We're always going to have something to work on. The sooner you accept that and get over that, and recognize that God signed up for it and he has not abandoned. He has not abandoned his creation and you are a part of that. And so it's really understanding 
the beauty of who you are, even if the world doesn't get it from any given moment of any given day. They're struggling with their own selves. Everybody struggles. You'd, you'd be amazed at the people that are in my office. I, I've, I've been doing, I've been a clinical psychotherapist for 28 years. Everyone struggles. Some people are better at covering it. Some people look better while they're doing it. <laughs> but everyone is struggling. So these foundational principles that we, that we talked about last week, that being your own best version, really is, is part of this foundational process. And so when we really do the building blocks of what being a high-functioning person is, this allows you to enjoy your life and others more regularly. Seriously, when I'm doing my life better, I enjoy people better. They haven't changed, but I changed. I tolerate them better. I have, I have more appropriate expectations on them when I'm doing myself better. And so one of the things you have to understand is the enemy wants to lie to you about focusing on yourself. He wants to lie to you about that. He wants to say you're not supposed to be self-centered. Well, you're not supposed to be self-centered. That's, that's immaturity. But self-regulating, self-managing, recognizing who I am in any given moment, being on top of my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own behaviors, so that nobody else has to be on top of them. See, the more I manage me, the less you have to deal with me. The more I manage me, the more you don't have to manage me. The more I manage me, the less problematic I am to you. The more I manage me, the more of a gift I am to you. The more I understand how to manage myself as an adult, the more impact that is positive I have on the world around me, the greater capacity I have for God to move through me because I'm not getting in God's way. I'm not being a child in an adult body. So if you practice these principles and integrate them, it will enable you to have far more success and have it more consistently. And it helps to not have these huge highs and huge lows, which can be extremely exhausting for others and as well as for ourselves. So first and foremost, to be my own best version and have all the benefits I just spoke to you about, you must be an adult, not a little person in a big body. Many people think they are adults because they do adult tasks. Well, intelligence is intelligence. So I can be 35 years old and running a company and still be very much a little person and feel the feelings that a younger person would feel and view the world through the eyes of a person under the age of 18 or the un under the age of 21. And so I can have an adult body and I can do adult tasks. I can even have children. I can be even attempting to raise these children. But actually being a real adult is a choice. It requires mastery of self, and it is always revealed by the level of self-control a person exhibits and possesses and by the level of humility. Those two things are always present when you're interacting with a bona fide adult. So John 17, 15, I like this. It says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Adults are able to be in the world and changed because they are managing their internal world. They're not needing the external world to bring out good things in them, but bringing good things to the external world because of their internal world. 
See, God doesn't want to take us out of the world to protect us. That's what we do for little children. We protect little children from the world. It is not a safe place for little children. So this John 17, 15 says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So he's praying to God about protecting these people from Satan. And let's add one more thing to it. I'm not trying to say I'm adding to the Bible. Let's add this idea to this. Are you the evil one to your own self? Are you the mean person in your own life? Are you your own nemesis? Are you the one against you? Are you working against yourself? Are you refusing to grow up? So God is not wanting to take you out of the world. He wants you to put you in it and offer you protection as an adult from the evil in the world. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when we let our light shine appropriately, men see the good work. They don't necessarily see us. They see the effect that our well-managed life has on the world around them. And because they see that effect, they understand that that's different than that guy that just made me some money temporarily and then ended up cheating me out of it the following month. They truly see the good work, which opens up the opportunity to see the Father. See, our light shines from within, and the world does not diminish it or increase it or create it. If the light, if the shining of the light is because of the world, if you shine because the world is shining on you, then all your foibles will also be seen. If the only reason you are shining is because the world is shining on you, then what happens when the world doesn't shine on you? See, this is part of character development. This is the job of parents. And our, it, it will, to whatever capacity our parents struggled, we all have to overcome because nobody gets perfect parents. I mean, who is God going to choose when he gives children to? He only has us to choose from. He doesn't have perfect parents. He's the perfect parent. So there's a lot of things that we might have to redo or undo or add to in our adult life because our parents, doing the best they could, couldn't do everything. And so our relationship with ourself and with God is not the world's job. It's not my spouse's job, my children's, my bosses, my friends, my pastors. It's my job. So let's look at this, um, th this verse. This is Matthew 7:15. It says, "A tree and its fruit." That, that's the title of that's the subtitle of this. And it says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves." See, in some ways, this may sound harsh, but this is an example of children in adult bodies, because you have to remember how needy children are, how ravenous children are. Children can't fulfill their own needs. So, not saying that adults that are, are characterologically unsafe or narcissistic, okay, because this can be very confusing. We have many adult adults that have that are little people in big bodies, and it doesn't make them narcissists or sociopaths. That's a that's a characterological issue. 
that always is a possibility. We have to deal with that in, in the world we live in. But we want to be really careful about diagnosing and blithely throwing around the words sociopath, psychopath, and narcissist. Because those are very, very big words and require time to diagnose. So Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we do this well? This is the edict. This is what God is calling us to do. How do we do that if we are children? I mean, I, I understand the concept of the quote-unquote out of the mouth of babes. However, while that's precious, it's not safe for children to have this burden when it is an adult edict. So God is depending on us to grow up, to steward the world well, to love the world, and to come to him as children, and to live in the world as bona fide adults. So Galatians 4.3, I'm giving you a lot of verses today. This says, so also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. That's out of the New American Standard Bible. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Now, Galatians, on the, uh, the, the, um, the overview of this Galatians chapter 4 is really talking about not the, the legalism that comes with writings and teachings and, and thoughts and, and um, theories and, and the way they were presenting the gospel. And, and Paul was saying, but then we understand it better and more deeply. I want you to understand that this is a concept of understanding while we are children, we're held in bondage to elemental things of the world. We don't have the control we have as an adult. We also don't have the energy and the strength as an adult. We don't want to stay children because it keeps us in bondage. Adult children are in bondage. And if we look at the Message Bible in Galatians 4, it says, let me show you the implications of this. As long as the heir is a minor, he has no advantage over the slave. Though legally he owns the entire inheritance, he is subject to tutors and administrators until whatever date the father has set for emancipation. That is why it is with us. When we were minors, we were just like slaves ordered around by simple instructions, the tutors and administrators of this world, with no say in the conduct of our lives. Do you know adults like that? We have adults that are walking around as slaves to this world, even though they, they, they own the entire inheritance. Who are they subject to? They're not acting as adults. They are seeing the world through the eyes of a child, that people make me do things. People withhold things from me. People don't let me do the things I want to do. So I'm going to rebel and do whatever I want to do. No one's going to tell me what to do. When you look at the world through the eyes of a child and you're in an adult body, this is the worst experience to have. I'm telling you the truth. It's better to, to be a child and then grow up and be an adult because living the life as an adult in the adult world is really not that bad. If I live an adult life as a child, it is hell on earth. So there are some principles that adults master. And we talked about some of that in being your own best version. I don't want you to be slaves to the people in your life. I don't want you to be victims to the people of your life. I don't want you to be a slave or a victim to Satan. I don't want you to be a slave or a victim to your own lack of self-control. I want you to have autonomy, and I want you to have self-agency, 
And I want you to be the master of your own flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. So I'm telling you, the most painful way to live is as a child in an adult world. And in fact, a couple of years ago, I had a, a client. Um, he was a, a young man. This was probably about 10 years ago. A young man. Very good-looking young man. Very um, um, Comes from a, a pretty wealthy family and um, had a great executive position, but never grew up. And so the decisions that he was making in his life was complicating his life legally. He had so many legal problems. He had multiple divorces, children from different places, women, and lots of legal involvements. And so I said to him one day about growing up, I said, it's, it's painful to grow up, but once you get on the other side, it's the easiest, easiest place to be in a very difficult world. Because living as a child in an adult world is extremely costly. He was paying a ton of money for therapy, ton of money in legal fees. He was missing work. He had children he had to support. He was exhausted. He was exhausted. He was overwhelmed. I have to tell you, it was a good ending to, to, uh, to this story. He really, really grew up and did a great job at cleaning all this up. And in a very honorable way, it was embarrassing. But you know what? He's a hero now. He's a hero. All the people that watched him overcome, all the people that watched him pull this together, really dig in, do the hard things, grow up, take responsibility for all that stuff, not just want to be rescued from it. He's a hero. Whatever opinions people had of him when his life was in disarray, was replaced with respect and honor. And they actually wanted to copy him. They really saw what he did. So little children are self-centered for a reason. We want little children self-centered. This is how they survive their childhood. They can't think about taking care of adults. When we have children that have to think about caretaking their adults, this is called, this is a form of child abuse. Because it robs that child of their childhood. They have to become adults too soon, which means they grow up many times. They mature physically. And they think they're adults, but they're still operating out of that little wounded part of themselves. And so little children have to be self-focused in order to figure out how to do their world. Figure out how to have mastery over those things that are appropriate for fifth graders or junior hires, or high schoolers, or, or young adults in college. We want them to get those building blocks, fill in all those blanks, so when they come into the adult world, they're a bona fide adult. Well, very few of us get that opportunity. Most of us usually have to go back and undo some things. So when we think about this idea of self-centeredness, I want you to understand this issue of tolerance. And I know it doesn't seem like they go together, but when we talk about Young people, little people in adult bodies, this is an issue of ego. And we use the word ego very inappropriately in our world. We think that somebody that has a big ego is conceited or self-righteous or overbearing or whatever that may be. What we want are strong egos. 
See, the stronger your ego is, the higher your tolerance is for mistake-making people, the less corrupted you are by them. A person with a strong ego understands their own identity, and they can withstand the buffeting of the world not liking them. And they can manage, they can tolerate being misperceived, they can tolerate being misunderstood, they can tolerate not being liked, and it doesn't throw them into self-medicating behaviors like drugs and alcohol, sex, pornography, gambling, um, being overly self-conscious about my appearance, focusing too much on money, wanting to acquire a whole bunch of stuff to bolster up my ego. The more fragile a person's ego, the more we have to manage them. These are highly sensitive people. These are people that get their feelings hurt very easily, that complicate conversations dramatically. People with fragile egos don't really know who they are. They get their cues from the world around them. If you like me, then I guess I'm an okay person. If you don't like me, then maybe something's wrong with me. So I either feel super stressed and worried and concerned and anxious, or I get angry with you and offended by you. Either way, fragile egos compel us to try to control the external world. People with strong egos only control the internal world because they can handle the external world as it comes. Whatever the world is doing is manageable for someone with a stronger ego. Now, I'm not talking about danger. We're going to talk about that in another show. So when you think about the life of Christ, he is the best psychological, psychiatric study on a strong ego. This man had the strongest ego we have ever seen. He never lost sight of his mission. He was not dissuaded by people's opinions. And no matter how much people hated him, he stayed true to his value system. He never harmed a person. He didn't lash out. He didn't attack people, slander people, didn't try to undermine people, didn't try to prove how wrong they were. He just kept focus on who he knew he was and why he was here on the planet. He could handle his feelings being hurt. He could handle not being liked. He could handle not, not being trusted. He could handle great amounts of pressure that his society was putting on him, that his community was requiring of him. He could handle the fact that he had to let people down. But he knew when he let people down, he knew when he said no to people, that he was staying within his own value system and not compromising his own moral code. He didn't say no to people to get back at people. He wasn't passive aggressive. He wasn't sniping. He wasn't gossiping. He wasn't trying to work with this group to get this group to come along. He wasn't political. He wasn't manipulative. Jesus had this amazingly strong ego. He understood the difference between hurt and harm. That is what we're going to start with tomorrow. So I want you to think about this issue of tolerance. I want you to think about, am I a little person in a big body? And I want you to know... Do not let the enemy shame you or guilt you or condemn you if you find any of these things resonating with you. All of us have to do this. We all have to figure this out. I had to figure this out myself. And there's many times in my life it was quite embarrassing when I was revealed to be a very little person in a very big body. So this is manageable. We are able to do this and we are going to do this and we are going to grow up well and we are going to take on the kingdom for God as adults as bona fide adults that he can depend on. And that is our goal. So I'm so glad you joined me today. I'm always very thankful for you listeners. 
love your feedback. Any questions you may have, any ideas you have for future shows, make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Look at all the social media if you want a keynote speaker. I can certainly tailor make any talk for your group. And as always, Jeremy, the best producer I've ever had. Thank you so much for helping. (laughs) Have a great week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah,